Hey, welcome back to another episode of Lafayette Connect. For this one, I got to sit down with my good friend, Paul Bunch. Paul is a killer real estate agent here in Lafayette. He's had three crazy years helping people buy and sell real estate. And I was lucky enough to meet him and become friends with him during his first year and really watch his career take off. He is for sure someone I've looked up to and had a huge role on me getting my real estate license. Paul is just 100% a good guy. Hello, hello. We're here with uh, Lafayette Connect, and I'm sitting here with my good friend, Paul Bunch. How are you doing, Paul? I'm great, Jordan. How are you today, man? I'm good. Uh, it's good to see you. It's been a while. It has, and I appreciate you taking the time and giving me this opportunity to chat this afternoon. Oh, absolutely. So, um, Paul is an interesting character. He uh, He's a real estate agent. Uh, I'll actually let you go ahead and do the backstory. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've been a realtor for just over three years here in Lafayette, and prior to that, I spent... Uh, 31 years in the transportation industry, basically trucking as a manager in a, a lot of different roles. Um, anywhere from uh, 65 employees at the last job I was at to a place in Cincinnati where I was third in command with about 500 or more employees. So I, uh, like I said, spent 31 years in the transportation industry. It was almost a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job. Uh, as a manager and cell phone ringing at two in the morning sometimes because an employee, you know, a driver, whatever, couldn't get loaded or unloaded as quickly as they wanted to. So I started uh, three and a half years ago taking real estate classes with the plan of just dabbling in real estate uh, to start out until I could get my feet on the ground a little bit and really get into it. Uh, the more I went through these classes, the more I really enjoyed it and uh, thinking about my job at the time, um, I was putting in 50 hours or more every week, getting home around 5, 530 in the afternoon and really thought there's not a good way to dabble in real estate when I have that much commitment to a full time job otherwise. So at the end of uh, 2017, my wife and I had quite a bit of discussion about the whole matter and um, decided that I was going to resign from the company I was working at at the time and jump into real estate full time. So I started basically middle of January 2018, jumped in both feet and haven't looked back since. Which that's a crazy jump in itself with as much money as you were making and going from that kind of lifestyle. I mean, you were the manager, you were the boss, but in a lot of ways you weren't working for yourself. You were working for somebody else. So to take a healthy salary like that and to jump into potentially nothing. I mean, there's people that start out real estate and don't make anything their first year. It's a very real possibility. That's a, what were your thoughts going on with that? Were you nervous as, a, as I would be? Or that's, Yeah, that's a good question. And, and absolutely, I was nervous. I mean, uh, I just, I kind of got tired of the drama and, and working for another, you know, a company having to answer to the man, so to speak, and wanted to do something that allowed me to just worry about one employee. Uh, being myself. In real estate, you have to really get your name out there. And the first year can be pretty dry for a realtor unless they're really hyping it up, you know, using social media, different forms of advertising, calling everybody you know to let them you know that you're a realtor now and that you'd be glad to help them. So yeah, it was a big jump and a bit nervous at times. Um, the first year was dry for me, probably a little over 10% that year of the salary that I was making prior to that. 
that is a big drop. Yeah, it definitely was. what you're used to. Definitely was. And uh, thankfully, you know, I, we had some other resources to fall back on. We've got rental properties and things like that that, that helped supplement the income. But yeah, big jump. And uh, the other part of that is, too, that when people know you're a brand new realtor, they can sometimes be a little hesitant to want to use your services because you haven't proven yourself and basically made a track record for yourself yet. So I was fortunate enough to have uh, four people that year in 2018 that gave me the chance to give my services to them. After that, it, it just continued to snowball in the positive direction for me. So, yeah. Yeah, four, because a lot of people don't know the real estate, what it's like to be a real estate agent like you and I both do, but four houses in your first year, to some that might not be a lot, but for me, I look at four houses and I say, wow, you got four on your first year. I mean, that's pretty that's pretty good compared to most people, they don't know what they're doing and they let emotions get in the way and they, like you said, a lot of people don't want to work with someone, a real estate agent in their first year especially a younger agent in their first year. I know that's a, a big setback for me, but but one reason I specifically chose you for this podcast isn't just your success in real estate, but I think that in sales in general, I think you've really mastered uh, making that connection with people. Yeah. You know, for me, Jordan, it's, it's not really about making the paycheck every time I have a closed transaction. It's more about the relationships that I've been able to build and and then continue to nurture with those clients that have worked with me, um, essentially helping people realize a part of the American dream in, in home ownership. Um, it's nice to take people to see houses. And, um, you know, being the age I'm at, I've been around the block a few times. I've bought and sold my own house a few times in, in my married life. And being able to know what to look for, um, and that comes with age and experience, you know, to, to help people see the goods and the bads about a house that they're looking at. And one thing I always tell them is I don't care if we look at one house or 50 houses. I want them to get the house that fits everything they want because six months to a year later, I don't want them looking back at me feeling that they were pressured into buying a house that didn't satisfy all their needs. So we, when my wife and I first bought our first house, we kind of got into that scenario with the realtor we were using. He was a great guy and he was pretty well set on us buying one of the first five houses we looked at. Did turn out okay. We bought a house that we liked, but looking back, I decided that's not going to be me. I want my clients to get the house they want. Uh, it fits all their criteria, whether it's square footage, price, number of bedrooms, location, whatever. And if, again, if we need to look at 50 of them to make that happen, that's what we'll do. So back to the relationships, that's really what, what it matters more to me than getting a paycheck at the end of the transaction. Yeah, for sure. And I've, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but the more people that I talk to in sales, especially the successful ones, one key thing that I'm picking up is no matter what it is that you're selling, it's the people that are truly honest, the people that you know you can trust, those seem to be the best at sales. I really see that a lot with Paul. I think that being as honest as he is, people can trust him. They know he's not in it for the money. He's not in it just for that big commission check. He wants you to get the house that you want and are going to be happy with. And like he said, in return, a couple of years down the road, you'll be calling him again. I think that's a, that's got to be a big tribute to your success in real estate. For people that don't know Paul, he's only been in real estate for three years, but he's had a very good three years. And I've kind of sat back. I, I think I've known you since about the beginning, right? Yeah, I was uh, trying to think back and I think I was hosting an open house on a listing I had late in 2018. 
and you and fiance may have come through, I think. Yeah, me and Faith, we came through. We were and, looking to buy a house. And we kind of connected after that point, and then we, you know, we went and had coffee a few times after that. I think we actually looked at one house, one or more houses, um, shortly afterwards. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, it, I was still very green when we met over two. I feel like it was your ago. first year, yeah. yeah. Um, but one thing that stood out to me is you made that connection. You, I, at that point, I had just figured out that I was, I was more leaning into getting into real estate. I wanted to be a a home buyer. I mean, that was the main goal. I was actually out there looking at houses, but I was also slowly starting to realize, oh, real estate agent, maybe that sounds like something I would like and really enjoy doing. And uh, I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. And I, and I think, uh, you know, our lines crossed and we, like you said, we had coffee a few times and it's been, it's been fun seeing you and watching your, these past three years, your first year expanding into what it is now. It's cool. Yeah. I've enjoyed it as well. And, and, uh, you know, looking back, if I had known in my mid-20s what I know now about real estate, I probably would have picked that career. And if you put yourself into it and really dig in deep and, and go at it hard, somebody in their mid-20s, by the time you're 50 years old, you're probably going to be sitting very pretty. Yeah, it is. It's uh, But it's another one of those or you eat when you kill deals where if you right. don't, if you're sitting back and not making the deals, then you're not eating. For a long time, it was a stereotypically a, a housewife job. It was something that yep. mostly women would go get a, a real estate license and sell houses on the side while the men were either at work or what era was that mostly? I, probably, I feel like I was actually even probably sixties and seventies maybe. Okay. Yeah. So about, so it's definitely the real estate being an agent has definitely changed a lot in just these past few short years. And it's just getting weirder from here. Um, I wanted to talk to you about COVID and how COVID is affecting things right now. Cause I know things are definitely weird with real estate and I do have a license, but I don't have a brokerage. So I'm not out there in the field every day. Right. Yeah. Amazingly in the Lafayette area, uh, we've been very fortunate. Um, at one time about a year ago, Lafayette was number five in the nation as far as hottest markets in real estate. And I didn't see any impact financially on any of the agents that I know Business was booming in the, in the last 12 months for everybody that I work with. Um, there were a lot of changes as far as procedural changes, such as, you know, when you go into a house, you got to use hand sanitizer, wear a mask, no, don't touch things, that sort of thing. But other than that, not a big impact here in the Lafayette area. I will say that the, that the market is very tight for houses right now. When I got into it three years ago at this time, there probably was over 300 active properties for sale in Tippecanoe County. Right now, that number is around 50. Oh, wow. So houses that present themselves well, that are priced right, that show well, um, are being sold with multiple offers and quite often above above the asking price. So everybody's fighting to buy a house then. Yeah, and, and Lafayette's a good area. There's a lot of good things going on in Tippecanoe County. Uh, Purdue's typically number four, number five in the nation as far as public universities. Uh, we've got the Subaru plant east of town that, continues to grow and expand and add employees every, you know, every couple of years or, or so. Uh, so a lot of good things going on in this area. It's a good place to be a realtor. I kind of, I, I want to reiterate that because I, I, I remember it was March of 2020. I think it was, it was right when things were starting to shut down and nobody was talking about it except for me and probably you too, all the real estate agents out there. But Lafayette and West Lafayette were number, I think it was three and four of the hottest real estate markets in the entire country. 
Lafayette and West Lafayette. And I just remember looking at that and saying, whoa, what is going on? I mean, it was. And, and that's all sizes of cities. I mean, Colorado Springs has typically been number one. Um, Sacramento, California was in that list. Rochester, New York. I mean, and, and then little Lafayette, Lafayette, Lafayette number five or so. In the yeah. Nation. I mean, I just remember rereading that over and over thinking, whoa, I need to get into the real estate game like yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Um, and that was in March. And they, it it really did. I feel like it got swept under the rug. Nobody was talking about it. I mean, it was the height of COVID. It was around St. Patty's Day and everything was just starting to shut down. Everyone was starting to panic. So Right. Yep. So from, from then, about March to now – are things getting better in the real estate game or are things just now slowly starting to get? It seems to be uh, pretty vibrant here in the Lafayette area. I, uh, last year, 2020, I had probably five or six new clients that contacted me between new year's and mid February. And the same thing happened again this year. I've had six or seven either individuals or couples that have contacted me about buying or selling. Um, so every time you think it's kind of taking a little bit of a downturn or, you know, things are drying up a little bit for you, the phone rings and the next thing you know, you've got another two or three people on the hook. Yeah, it's definitely a, a job that is a career that is full of emotions. I mean, because also all six of those people could cancel on you slowly one by one on their own. And that's a. Yeah, that and that does happen. And, and the one thing that we have to remember is not to take it personally. Uh, their finances could change. Uh, they might decide to go with another realtor after working with with me for a few weeks or a few months. Um, but uh, I don't take it personally. You know, I, I can't take it personally. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't think you should. It's a it's a it's a weird career. It really is. There's a lot to it. It's its own ballpark. It really is. Yeah. And te technically, you're not an employee, even though I work with Keller Williams, I say work with. Um, I'm not an employee of Keller Williams. I'm a 1099 contractor. So. Everything that I do, I've got to uh, manage. I have to keep track of. I have to record, you know, mileage whether I'm showing houses or going to a listing appointment. Uh, all the expenses that I incur as a realtor, I track on a data or on a spreadsheet. So, you know, I'm, I'm an independent contractor basically. And at the end of the year, it's up to me to pay my own taxes, to get my own health care, to track everything. And uh, Keller Williams basically gives me a 1099 at the end of the year and says, this is what your, you know, your uh, commissions were for the year. Yeah, it's definitely, it's not a job out there for everybody. I would say it, it is for the, the strong will survive in real estate. I always like to think. And I, yeah. and that's a, another reason that I've always looked up to you just in the past few short years that I've known you is that you, while I've seen other agents kind of slither away and fade off into the darkness, I've seen you one after another out there selling and, making it happen. So that's, and it's not an easy task for every person that you help. It is a whole process and there are stories and there are things that happen and yeah, getting yeah. to that closing date for every single one of those is some of them were nightmares. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. The inspection process is probably the most difficult and uh, tedious part of the, of the entire process, uh, you know, because homeowners that buy a house will have an inspection done and even a brand new house is going to refill problems with that house. Um, an older house, something built maybe in 1900, you're going to have pages and pages of things that are wrong with the house sometimes that have to be corrected or the deal could potentially fall apart. Do you have a lot of people that fall in love with those 1900 houses? I've got a few people that do. I actually uh, showed 
a house in Delphi this past weekend that was built in 1857 and is on the National Register of Historic Places. And this particular couple I'm working with, they own a house that was built around that same era. I think their house was built in 1875, but they're moving from one city to the Lafayette area. And every time uh, they see a house in that era, they want to look at it if it's, you know, if it looks good, at least in the pictures and everything. So it was kind of a neat house to go see. And, and considering 1857 was before Lincoln was even elected president. Ooh. I love the history here in Lafayette, but just thinking about buying a house from that time just gives me goosebumps. I mean, it's it, a lot could go wrong with a house like that. Yeah, most of them you find that were built, you know, that are that old have been rewired. The plumbing's been redone. Uh, they've been insulated because back then they didn't really insulate houses. Oh, really? Yeah. So, huh. <laughs> so a lot of things have been done to update homes like that. Kitchen appliances, you know, cabinets, the whole the whole works, but. Still, you got to look at the bones of the house and uh, uh, look at the basement, see what, you know, a lot of times the basement, if it doesn't have drywalled ceilings and you can see the, the floor joists and everything, the basements can tell a story about the house a little bit because a lot of them have been added on to one, two, three times. You know, when they were built, they might have just been a square little house. And now there's been rooms added onto one side or in the back. Now they've got a kitchen. Uh, they didn't have indoor plumbing and bathrooms back then. So all that had to be taken care of in a house of that age. So yeah, it's kind of fun to look at. And, and like I said, the basement and looking around in the basement, the rafters and the, or the uh, floor joists tell a story. About oh, I bet. Yeah. I, uh, I've already mentioned this on the podcast, but at the moment I have the real estate license, but I am still saving up to get into a brokerage. But um, I'm looking forward to those days where you get to walk around houses and just see all the different history and how people lived, you know, and, how things were wired differently. And yeah, and I think one of the more interesting ones that we looked at, I, I uh, there was a company here in Lafayette many years ago called National Homes. And National Homes in the 40s, 50s, and 60s was the number one manufacturer of uh, prefab housing in the world. And it sits where Wabash National is now. Uh, but we looked at one in the Benton Woods neighborhood that had been built by one of the co-founders of National Homes. Uh, the Price family, and this was a 6,000 square foot ranch sitting on two and a half acres and a lot of original outlets and light switches and things like that. But it was kind of cool to go in there and just think about what conversations may have been taking place back in 1958 or 59 oh, when the house sure, was yeah. built and you know what history may have been made in that house and, and agreements or, or business deals that were reached at that point, things like that. It was really kind of neat to look at. That is cool. It was a whole different world. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you about, um, I keep hearing virtual tours for houses, virtual people are buying houses without stepping into it. I talked to, on one of the episodes <clears throat> of this podcast, I talked to a car salesman and they're doing virtual test drives for cars now. That's the wow. new normal. It's virtual this, virtual that. And I was wondering, for me personally, I would not want anything to do with buying a house without seeing it. But are there still a lot of people that are making that kind of move? Or I have personally people? not had any clients do that. I, I did uh, do a showing for another agent who was on, on vacation. And she had a couple moving from Colorado to West Lafayette. And they bought a house sight unseen other than basically she did uh, FaceTime in the house and walked around and showed it to them. And. So I was actually the one that took them to that house for the very first time they physically set foot in it. 
What were their emotions like? Fortunately, they loved it. Good. <laughs> yeah, because they had already signed all the paperwork and it was theirs either way. But uh, yeah, fortunately, they loved the house and it worked out well. But uh, I've not personally had any clients who, who have bought a house, you know, without first stepping foot in it. I think that day's coming now sooner than we think. It may. Yeah. I mean, now that the vaccinations are out for COVID and, and increasing in numbers, and you know, I think hopefully things will calm down, but we don't know. Yeah, it's it's really hard telling. Um, COVID has definitely changed a lot. I hope we get to normal here sooner than later. And I think we are. I mean, uh, yeah, I do too. I, I felt very fortunate in the last 12 months to be a realtor compared to maybe being in another line of work because you and I probably both know a handful of people or more who were out of work for a period of time or maybe permanently mm -hmm. and had to go find another job or go on unemployment until that ran out. So it's, it's been a struggle for a lot of people. But fortunately, like I said, being in the real estate world and especially in this market that we're in in Lafayette, um, I, I was blessed to be able to you know keep it going and, and keep the money and the income coming in for me. Yeah, that is always nice. I was uh, <clears throat> I was worried about all my realtor friends um, for a while until I realized that things really weren't slowing down too much. Right. Um, but I was wondering if they were getting the shelter of that unemployment and when all that was going on. There were, it was a mess. You know, there were some different types of loans available. If, if a realtor felt like they were struggling, I never took advantage or even looked into them, to be honest with you, because uh, things just continued to move forward last year for me. Oh, that's so. good. Yeah. The, um, I really, I was blessed too. I didn't lose any job due to COVID. I didn't even get reduced hours or anything like that. My girlfriend, she got laid off for three months or so, but she was actually making more money on unemployment than I was working 12 hour days. So we actually, <laughs> at the end of it, we made more money just from her sitting at home. Right. And then she went back to work like normal and it all worked out for us. So thankfully I did all right too, but but I know it's it was not easy for business owners, entrepreneurs. I mean, well, and it's amazing because two years ago, if you had taken a poll of a lot of people in the work or working world and asked them, could you be doing your job from home? Many people would have said, no, my job is so specific or so specialized that I have to be in the office. Well, I think a lot of people found out differently. Oh, yeah. I, I know so many people that are didn't lose their jobs completely, but they were told you're working from home until things are straightened out. Yeah, and unless they have a Zoom meeting, you know, Zoom is something we've come to know in the last 12 months. Yeah, what happened to Skype? I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, if they have a Zoom meeting, then obviously they need to be presentable in what they're wearing. But otherwise, they can sit around in their pajamas all day if they'd like. Which, personally, I would lose my mind, but I know there's a lot of people that, that would love that. And it does sound nice, maybe for a week or two, but... You know, the Keller Williams office, shortly after everything hit in middle of March last year, um, actually closed down for several weeks. I don't remember exactly how long, but everybody, you know, as far as our administrative folks was working from home. And okay. I still went into the office probably two or three times a week. And it was really strange because it's a building where normally there would be 20 to 30 people in there at any given time. And there were a lot of times it was only me, maybe two other people that were in the building at the time. That is sad. Yeah, it was really strange. Yeah. The nice thing was there wasn't any traffic. But yeah. <laughs> it was one of the big pluses when we had the lockdown. If the phone rings, no one's fine to answer it. I mean, you're the only one there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the that's the other nice thing about being a realtor is you do have the option of working from home, even with the, if you're with the brokerage or getting office space inside that brokerage. And when I first started, I was just going to just, you know, work from home exclusively. And the more I thought about it, the more I wanted to be around 
other realtors on a regular daily or at least three or four times a week basis uh, to learn from them and to pick up, you know, the knowledge and, and the things that they had, the experience they had. So I ended up, you know, for a very nominal fee, I've got a, a desk or an office, so to speak, at Keller Williams. And it's nice because I'm around people that may make $20,000 a year and other people that may be making half a million dollars a year in real estate. And everybody is very kind and willing to help when needed if you're called upon. Yeah, that is because uh, I've, I've gone through that process of looking for different brokerages and stuff. And we actually talked about it. That I got to give it to Keller Williams because, like you said, there you meet all different real estate agents in general. Seem to be a different type of breed, yeah. but Keller Williams has them all like a jungle. I mean, there's just like you said, people that are just starting out, don't have a clue what they're doing, um, maybe won't make a sale their whole career in real estate, and then there's people that make half a million dollars and are just out there killing. It. So you get you see what people are doing wrong, and you see what people are doing right. And I think that's that's pretty cool. I hate hearing that they're so emptied out now, though, but. Well, it's back pretty much back to normal now. Oh, it is. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah. We opened back up late last year, so it's it's pretty well back to normal at this point in the office. We do have to wear masks and you know practice with social distancing, but other than that, it's fairly normal. Even sitting down when you're talking with someone, you have to wear a mask in your own office or not? Not really, not really. If you're in your own office, um, you can you know take the mask off. But if we're going through the hallway to the front desk or maybe taking our lunch to the microwave or whatever, they, they encourage the mask wearing. Yeah, which I'm not for or against the mask, really. Some people hate them, can't stand them. I don't right. even want to be told to wear one. And some people are, why are you not wearing one walking down the street by yourself? So I <laughs> I don't really mind. I always keep one on me and you know wear it when I have to. But and Yeah, it's all personal preference. And I, I think probably the biggest kick I get is seeing somebody in a car by themselves with the windows up and a mask on. Yep. See, everyone makes fun of <laughs> I'm that guy because I uh, – I will wear it and not even remember that I'm wearing it. If I go into Walmart and I'm wearing a mask, sometimes I'll drive home by myself with that mask on. And then I'm like, oh, I'm the guy everybody makes fun of. <laughs> but I try not to do that too often because I know people probably do point and laugh. But um, but it is just a new normal, the masks are. And hopefully yes. we're not wearing them this time next year. But if we are, I think that'd be the least of our problems. I also don't want to see cases rise and people get sick and stuff because, right. you know, COVID is its own. It picks and chooses who it wants to hit and not hit. Well, up until maybe four months ago, I personally didn't know anybody that had it. And since that time, I've got uh, I've got a few family members that have had it. Everybody's pretty well recovered and some That's had good. very little to no symptoms, but they did test positive. Of course, that meant, you know, two week quarantine and the whole family stays home. And <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to talk to you about uh, the price of real estate of in Lafayette and West Lafayette specifically before and after COVID. Is our prices still skyrocketing up like they used to do or things kind of slowed down there? They haven't really slowed down. Uh, they continue to go up. I don't know the exact numbers, but the average cost is going up probably somewhere between 10 and 15 percent annually. Which is great if you own a home, not so great if you are renting. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, they, they continue to go up. And like we mentioned earlier, you know, Lafayette being such a hot market, um, I've seen properties end up with 38 showings the first day they're on the market and up to 12 offers or more and going for, I know of one that went for 25,000 above what the asking price was. So it's, it's very competitive um, because of the shortage of housing and the desire of a lot of people 
coming to this area for jobs and what have you. Um, you know, also we, we're next to Illinois and Illinois is a state where a lot of people seem to be moving out of right now. Um, so I think it's, it's only natural to think that a lot of those folks are probably trying to get into Indiana, maybe even specifically Tippecanoe County. So that continues to be another factor in, in pushing the prices up and keeping the uh, market very hot here. You're not seeing a lot of people <laughs> flood out of Lafayette and West Lafayette, though, are you? It's mostly people trying to get here. Right, right. And, and if I'm working with uh, sellers, uh, which I'm working with one right now, typically they are just moving into a bigger house here in the same vicinity, Tippecanoe County. Um, I do have one that actually works for Purdue and is working remotely and actually moving to Texas, the Houston, Texas area, and going to be able to continue working for Purdue. Wow. But most people that are listing their house here in the area, um, it's because they're getting ready to move in, you know, make the step up to the next bigger house. Um, so have you lived in Lafayette your whole life? No, I actually, I did grow up here and, uh, and went to Purdue, graduated in 1986. And as soon as I graduated, I took a job with Fifth Third Bank in downtown Cincinnati. My wife and I were fairly newlyweds. We had a three-month-old daughter at the time. And uh, quite honestly, we were real homesick. And even though Cincinnati is only about a three-hour drive from here, it seemed like it might as well have been a thousand miles away. So after about seven months of working at Fifth Third Bank, we decided to try to come back to Indiana, tried to come back to the Lafayette area. I couldn't find a job up here. Uh, this would have been in early 1987, and I ended up taking a job with a trucking company in Indianapolis. Uh, so I spent nine years in Indianapolis uh, with that company, and then in 1996, took a promotion and uh, moved to Cincinnati again for the second go-around. Of course, at this point, we were a little bit less homesick. <laughs> We'd had a little bit more, a few more years on us, had two daughters who were, I think were eight and ten years old at the time. Um, and I can remember telling them that we were moving to Cincinnati and, you know, the crying and the tears began because they didn't want to leave all the friends they'd made there in Indianapolis as they were, you know, growing up to eight and 10 years old. Oh, I bet. So we made the move to Cincinnati in 1996, um, looked at probably 30 to 40 houses on one weekend prior to making a, picking a house to buy down in the Cincinnati area. And we lived about 25 miles from the downtown Cincinnati. So we were kind of like, if you know how Carmel is situated geographically to Indianapolis, that's kind of where we were in Cincinnati. We were one county north, but still considered a part of the suburban Cincinnati area. You said you looked at 30 houses out there? Yeah, yeah. We had an, we had an agent that or my company, since my company gave me the promotion and transfer, they moved me and hooked me up with a real estate agent. But uh, we went down there for a weekend and between a Saturday and Sunday, literally probably looked at 30 or more houses and then finally ended up buying one. Huh. Uh, so back then it was more of a buyer's market. You know, there's no way that today, if, you know, I had price range between X number of dollars and X number of dollars that you're going to find 30 or 40 houses in that, in that range. No kidding. That agent went, went through it with you. He went through all of them. He probably hated you by the end of that. Uh, it was quite an adventure. It's a, like you said earlier though, it is the Big, one of the biggest investments you can make is buying a house and you want to make sure that you love it specifically. So, and that's one good thing about Paul. If you choose to have him as an agent is he will go. I honestly believe you would sit with somebody through 40 houses and not complain about it. And 
till they find it. I'm sure that's not the ideal way you want to do it, but no, I, I don't think I'd ever see that many. But I have uh, I have had clients who looked at eight in one day, and we did that twice. That was uh, almost that two years ago. Yeah. And another thing about it, you've kind of got to be 24 seven as an agent because if I'm getting ready to sit down to dinner at 5 p.m. and a client calls me and the house has just hit the market and they want to go see it at six o'clock or six 30. I got to be ready to get up and do that. So you've got to be responsive. Um, I like to think that anytime somebody texts me, whether it's another agent or a client that um, if, it, if I'm more than five minutes before I answer that text, I'm violating my, uh, my own internal policy, so to speak, because I want to be very responsive. But yeah, spent 17 years in Cincinnati, and then uh, we kind of talked a little bit about it earlier, but uh, we ended up buying land near Brookston and, and raised two daughters in Cincinnati. Both of them ended up in Lafayette, and once my oldest daughter uh, got back here and started giving us grandchildren, it kind of accelerated uh, things for us getting back to the Lafayette area. So sometime uh, May 2013, we ended up leaving the Cincinnati area. Came back to the Brookston area, just a little bit north of Lafayette, and uh, we've been back almost eight years now. So, home yeah, sweet home. Yeah, it's it, it's been nice because you know we came back to where all of our family is, and you know, like a lot of a lot of people will raise kids, and then you know, one kid moves to California, one moves to Colorado, and you see them maybe a couple of times a year. But we were very fortunate to have both of our daughters plant their feet here in the Lafayette area, so we're only fifteen to twenty minutes away from either one of them. That is true. I do see that with a lot of families that not that there's anything wrong with spreading out like that, but that is that is nice that you're aware that, you know, both your daughters are right around the corner. And that, yes, that's got to that makes home a lot more of a home for sure. Yep. So, yeah, it's cool that you've even though you've been in and out of Lafayette, you've grew up here and you've seen you've seen it all change. And I see you on that uh, Lafayette. What is it? The. You know you're from Lafayette? Yeah, you know you're Facebook from Lafayette page. on Facebook. I see Paul on there all the time answering people's questions. Um, it's a lot of fun, that web page, or that Facebook page is. But I did want to talk to you about your rental properties because that's actually more of a, a dream of mine as well as being a real estate agent. I've always loved the idea of having properties on the side. How are your rental properties doing through this chaos? They seem to be doing okay. We've uh, we Seldom do we have any that are not rented. My father-in-law owns four that my wife oversees and I help her to some extent. Uh, my mother owns a house that now is rented out since we've moved her in with us. And then we bought one back in November here in town uh, that we are renting out. They're great investment opportunities. If you get the right house and you get the right people in it, they can be a bit of a headache and even a nightmare if you get the wrong people in there. Right when I got into real estate three years ago, my father-in-law has two rentals that are in Monon, and my wife got a text from the renter in one of those properties and basically said, hey, I've moved out. No notice or anything. So oh. we drove up to that house, and it was an absolute wreck inside. So he did not get his security deposit back, and we spent the next three months going up there almost every afternoon, painting, putting flooring down, new drywall, painted the cabinets, basically got this house looking almost brand new inside. And immediately after three months, it was rented out as soon as we were done with it. Well, then the following weekend, the other people that lived next door to that house sent my wife a text and says, we've moved out. So we go nice. into that house and uh, again, spent about three months getting that one back in shape to rent out. So right then I was starting in real estate, but 
every day I was trying to go home around one o'clock in the afternoon so that I could go up to Monon with my wife and help fix these houses up. So yeah, but you get the right people in there and they can be, you know, they can be a very lucrative business. And that's one thing that if somebody in the Lafayette area is looking for homes in the range of say hundred to 150,000, um, not only are they competing with other potential first time home buyers, but they're probably going to be competing against investors who look for properties like that to buy as rentals. Yeah. I, uh, I have a friend that was just on this podcast and I was going to ask you, you guys both have kind of differing. He also buys rentals and stuff and you, you don't pay for any property management at all. Right. No, no. Um, and that's the way I would, if I bought rental properties in the future, that's how I would want to run it too. But um, I asked him, I said, what's kind of your advice for people buying rentals? And he said, my number one advice is to get the property manager so that you just, you sign the check. You don't have to worry about anything. So it's kind of interesting to see both of that sides. Are you pretty handy at all or kind of I average, above average? I, I would say average, probably average. I mean, if it's putting a new water heater in or something like that, we call, we've got a handyman that we use. Um, but as far as we put vinyl flooring down, my wife and I did that. We painted all the trim. We painted the ceilings. We painted the walls. We put new shutters or uh, new blinds up in the windows. So a lot of that stuff we're able to do. But if it's something like furnace work or water heater or uh, plumbing or electrical, I don't like to get my hands into that too much. Yeah, I just I'm a big believer in saving as much money whenever you can. So I'm with you. I, right. It was kind of interesting to hear him say that because uh, he is pretty handy, too. And so it, when he said that, I was like, huh, hopefully that day for me is coming soon when I can talk about what I do with my rentals. But yeah, that day is around the corner, I hope. It's a good time to buy now as well. The mortgage rates, I think they're starting to creep up a little bit, but they have been at historic lows. I think when we bought our first house in 1987, my wife and I, we were probably paying 13 or 14 percent interest rate on our mortgage. And now it's like less than two, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We refinanced uh, late last year and got two and three eighths percentage rate on our financing. That's pretty crazy. Where do you uh, see everything going? Are we, I hear we're in a real estate bubble that's going to pop. I hear Lafayette's going to be protected from everything that happens because our market's so strong. What, what's your opinion on it? Would it? I think Lafayette's going to continue to be a strong market. Like I said, we've got a lot of good things going. The, the tax structure for Indiana is good. Um, you've got Purdue University right here in our back door. There's lots of jobs, lots of Subaru, factories. Caterpillar, a lot of big places around here and, and it's an attractive location for people, you know, wanting to start a business or, or build a new factory, so to speak. Um, so I, I think it's going to continue to be strong here in the Lafayette area. Um, but, you know, none of us have a crystal ball that really works. So who knows what the next couple of years could hold? That's true. I, I definitely agree. I hear doom and gloom a lot and I hear, you know, everything's going to be OK a lot. And I'm with you. I think Lafayette's something's going to happen. Some weird crazy thing but no one has a crystal ball but i feel like lafayette will be i think we'll be all right yeah i so, think i think so as well i think we've really been lucky so what is your advice to uh younger real estate agents in general i know we've kind of gone over that in a couple different ways but what would your main your words of wisdom be for somebody like me just starting out if you're able to do it full time and jump in with both feet good for you but it's going to take a lot of time to get yourself 
up to speed in the in the in the whole real estate world. You can almost starve to death your first year because it can be very dry. If you have a full-time job and you want to consider dabbling in it to get yourself started a little bit, I would say that's a good idea. Um, if you have the ability to jump into it full-time, give it 110% of everything you can. Because uh, it is sink or swim. Yeah, and, and don't be afraid to market yourself. Uh, Facebook is something that I will post occasionally on. I don't do it a whole lot, but I do get recognition from people on Facebook that know that I'm in real estate. I've had people call me based on what they've seen on Facebook. So it does generate clients. Don't be afraid to talk to people. Let everybody you know that you know that you are a realtor now and that you can help them uh, achieve their dreams of home ownership, selling, buying, whatever that case may be, buying rental properties, you know, but it's just a matter of, you know, if you're going to do it, give it everything you got. Yeah, I like that. I, I agree with all that. And I'll agree with you. A few things that really stand about you in general, like I said a little bit earlier, is uh, you're very, very honest. You tell people things how they are. You don't beat around the bush. Um, you don't try and sneak anybody out of their money. You're not in it for the sale. Nope. And I think that ties into your your Facebook. I think Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and whatever else is out there, I think that's the beginning of a whole new way to market yourself with right. real estate or any sales job in general. I think uh, your Facebook does a good job of, even though you don't post as much, from what people see, they get to know you from your Facebook. Right. And that does that does bring people in too. So. Yeah, and I mean, the, the world of real estate has evolved dramatically, say, in the last 30 to 40 years, for example. You know, 40 years ago would have been 1981. There was no Facebook. There was no internet. Forty um, years ago was eighty one. There were I didn't think of that. <laughs> there there wasn't email systems. Uh, not every house had a computer. Uh, now we have all these things that are right at our fingertips. You know, most of the literally all the documents that we deal with in real estate now are done electronically. So, if I have a client in California that's buying a house in Lafayette, I can send them the necessary documents via email. They can sign them electronically, and within five minutes or so, they're back in my file, and I send them off to the to the seller's agent. So, um, so it's changed quite a bit. You know, years ago, if you wanted to go look at houses, you had to get a big realtor book out that came out. I think it may have been weekly, and typically by the time you saw it, the house might have already been sold. Huh. But now it's instant notification. You know, when a house goes on the market here in Lafayette. Uh, not only do the agents pick it up, but all these other outside websites pick it up within 10 to 15 minutes of it hitting the market. And I've got clients that will text me and I look at the text. I look at the property address. I pull it up and it's like, wow, this thing's only been on the market 10 minutes. <laughs> so we're able to set it up <laughs> that's immediately. How, that's how fast it's potentially you could you and a buyer could buy a house, have all the documents signed them have a virtual tour, you could potentially sell someone a house without either of you stepping foot into it and just at the click of a button on your phone. Yeah, you could. I mean, if you send the documents, email the virtual tour, right? they agree to it, sign everything. Yeah. That's I, pretty crazy. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, I've not had any personally transactions that have been virtual tours like that, but, but it does exist now. So. Huh. Well, I could talk to you all day, Paul. I really could. But we are at the hour mark. Did you have anything else you wanted to add or throw in there? Not that I can think of. I, I really have enjoyed our conversation and appreciate you getting me in here, Jordan. I always do. We always have been a blast. Time. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So thank you for being here. 
Thanks again, Paul, for doing the podcast. Thank you to everyone listening. I love you all. If you need anything real estate related, give Paul a call at 765-414-3100. Again, that's 765-414-3100. Or email him at spaulbunch at gmail.com. If you like this podcast, rate it, subscribe to it, and even follow it on Twitter if you love it that much. All links are in the description below. Thank you again.